podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are very happy to report to you that the ongoing test series between England and West Indies have been quite a spectacle. Uh, I have my co-host Ajit uh, to talk about this now. Hello Ajit, how are you doing man? Hi Gary, I'm doing good. Well, uh, it feels really good to, you know, have the first series of test cricket. Yeah, uh, behind us, right? Yeah. So it was indeed uh, also worthy of uh, you know all the weight. So it was a three-test mm-hmm. match series that had a two-one result, and uh, so that's that's really giving me a nice feeling for the rest of the cricket coming up in this summer and also into the winter. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, there is a lot of cricket to be played still. Uh, I think the English summer is not yet over. Uh, we have some some more series coming up. We'll talk about that. But uh, how are you doing in general? Uh, are you still uh, working from home, not doing a lot of things? Are you are you playing cricket, by the way, in your club? Yes. So, yes to the first, yes to the second. <laughs> I'm indeed working from home. And, uh, well, working and uh, making sure I'm also having a little bit of home and uh, work-life balance, so to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's a bit of a stressful time at work. And I'm always looking forward to, you know, tuning off and uh, doing other things. One of those being, of course, the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Um, when it comes to cricket that I play, so we have indeed played four games with my team in the club. And uh, yeah, it's it's so far been a good season. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because in this season, they've actually stopped promotion demotion. So it gives us an opportunity to explore cricket in a different way, as in doesn't always have to be result driven. But so far, we've uh, had a majority success. So, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, been also very enjoyable that way. Mm-hmm. So, that's me. How about you? I'm not doing bad myself. Uh, working from home, um, indeed. But uh, uh, my club or my team actually had a cricket tournament that was played over the weekend. Uh, we played three matches. Unfortunately, uh, we lost all three of them. But with a good fight, uh, I have to say. And I didn't play because I had a, an issue with my knee. Uh, I'm still recovering from... A, I think I pulled a muzzle while I was playing badminton. On the very first day I played sport, uh, <laughs> uh, after the lockdown was lifted, uh, I had an injury. So I'm still recovering from that. Um, so I hope to be back out there and then playing with my team again. Team again, um, maybe in two or three weeks from now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, otherwise it's been quite a boring summer. Uh, the, the weather has been quite good. I mean, it's not so bad, uh, but we can't do a lot of things, right? So we can't really engage in all the activities that we were uh, busy with, um, let's say last year, same time. Of course. But yeah, we have to live with it. And it's the coronavirus will be with us for some more time. Uh, I know there are some inroads that are mm. being made uh, with regards to the vaccine development program. I think a couple of vaccine trials have entered the final phase or the phase three, as it's called. Uh, I think one is in the UK. Uh, Oxford University collaborated 
in collaboration with a, a pharmaceutical company. And then I think there was another one in the US that was also being trialed for a high uh, human efficacy trials. I think that's what they call it. Right. So with 10,000 plus people being uh, injected, uh, wow. we have to wait for the results. I think it's going to take a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But before that, I think the the previous phase of testing was uh, quite a success uh, with the UK vaccine program. Mm-hmm. I think about they, if I'm not wrong, I can be wrong on these numbers. Don't take me, don't take my word for it. But I think about mm-hmm. 70% of it was found to be uh, effective. Right. Uh, so people who were giving this vaccine uh, showed symptoms. 70% of the people showed symptoms, but then they recovered very quickly. So it was just like fever and then a bit of headache. And which nice. could be hand, uh, managed with paracetamol. Mm-hmm. Paracetamol, our wonder drug, right? In the Netherlands. Indeed, of course. I mean, <laughs> and that's, uh, what you do first yeah. is you take it and go to bed. And then in, uh, if it still stays with you for a week is when you go to the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you treat yourself first. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, people listening to us shouldn't take our word for it. Um, but everybody knows that here, right? In the Netherlands. We first, uh, even before we consult the doctor, uh, we think it can be cured by paracetamol. And then, uh, and even and I think the local people also, uh, yeah, joke with that topic. But anyway, um, on a serious note, I think we, we are making some progress there or the scientific community, um, thanks to them. I think they're working really hard day in, day out uh, mm-hmm. in making this happen. So uh, we really look forward to the results from the phase three uh, mm-hmm. tests. Uh, and yeah, if the phase three tests come out sometime in September or October, we might have a vaccine by the end of the year, mass production. But that's wow. a big if. That's a big if. But we are getting there, right? We are getting there. We have sustained, we have endured this um, for about six months now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be a bit longer, but uh, we'll get there in the end. Hang in, everybody. Well, there you go. We've We've now covered the... COVID health update part. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, no, but it's it's always good to also know where we are, right? So, yeah. I mean, I might make a bad joke of it, which I would like to. That's probably a defensive mechanism I've developed over the time. But this is this is good to know. This is always also very, you know, uh, considering that, you know, here in the Netherlands, they're really uh, worried about a potential second wave breaking out now that mm. it's the holiday season and people are going out, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how that really pans out. And maybe having, you know, vaccine come out sooner uh, rather than later would be a better option. So, but now back to the cricket at hand. Yes. We've just finished a wonderful, wonderful test series, Giri. So, the third test was as as much of a cracker as the other two. So, let's go through the scores and maybe you can uh, give us the, let's say, the summarizer's perspective, right? So, in this case... Yeah. England, you know, were put into bat again by the West Indies. Uh, second time in a row, contrary to, let's say, uh, popular uh, wisdom, so to say. So, they were put into bat and, uh, you know, they hung on gamely. So, at the end of first day, again, it was a very hard grafting day. But they ensured that, you know, they came out on top. So, at 4 for 122 sort of things hung in the balance. There was a very high likelihood that uh, they may blow it away and, you know, end up 200 all out. And... Instead, they met the usual, let's say, uh, resistance. First of all, Rory Burns right at the top of the order made 57. Ben Stokes, for a change, made only 20. And Joe Root, 17. 
but then Oli Pope, who's now sort of being hailed as the next Ian Bell in certain quarters, you know, there's enough yeah. of Ian Bell in the way he plays and also he stands yeah. and so on and so forth. He made 91 and in very typical Bell style, missed on a hundred. <laughs> then Josh Butler finally woke up as far as with the bat he's concerned. And then he made 67. And surprisingly, again, at 280 for eight, there was a chance England would be bundled out around, around you know, 300. But they... You know, they rode on uh, Stuart Broad's confidence and, uh, you know, he went, he made 62 in very, very quick time, almost T20 innings. That basically meant England finished on 369. This is comfortably about 52, 80 runs above par, given the conditions and given a lot of rain predicted in this game. And, uh, well, when it came to uh, English uh, bowling, so again, uh, they had four full fast bowlers. This was probably the best fast bowling attack they had assembled, right? So, West Indies were really staring at a bit of an issue. But, you know, when they lost Craig Brathwaite really early in their first innings, we knew they were in trouble. Campbell was dropped early on and one felt, you know, he could sort of kick on, but he only made 32. Shy Hope, 17. And then, you know, Jerome Blackwood fought back with uh, 26. but And Holder, 46. And Dowrich, 37. But in spite of all these nuggety contributions, West Indies were only able to make 197. So, Broad, who's on a high, basically currently running, riding a form wave so to say he took a 6 for 6 for 31 and that meant you know England were firmly in control of this game so they batted again quickly and then you know scoring even even time they made uh, 226 for 2 declared in this case Rory Burns finished with 90 and Dom Sibley 56 and Joe Root sort of was unbeaten on 68 in the moment Burns was dismissed they went in right so when it came to West Indian bowling in the first innings Kimar Roach took a 4-4 and finally sort of, you know, all his good bowling in the other tests, it looked like he was always bowling well. And, you know, his 4-4 also meant he crossed the 200-wicket mark. But we'll discuss that in detail, right, Kiri? Shannon Gabriel was sort of, yeah, he looked a bit uncomfortable on the first day, but he came back to take two wickets. And, uh, you know, Holder was steady and then Roston Chase, as usual, with his golden arm, took two wickets. Uh, Cornwall, who was sort of included in Alzari Joseph's place, it was a strange move, but sort of something that I had foreshadowed in the series preview. Uh, I'll come back to that a bit later. So, they had two spinners, West Indies, and Cornwall really didn't have much of an impact in this game, and he bowled 27 fruitless overs in the first innings. So, chasing a really, really tough target, you know, there was a bit of gamesmanship here from England, because they knew the fourth day would more or less be lost to rain. They treated it like a four-day test match, and they declared at the end of the third day, giving West Indies, you know, about 5-8 overs to bat. And West Indies were 10 for 2 in that period already, right? They had lost... Campbell and even Roach, the night watchman. So, both of them to Broad with his tail up and bowling fantastically. You know, that manic Broad that, you know, will get results. That that Broad was in very much in view this test. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, on the last morning when the cricket resumed, even though there were some rain in, uh, interruptions, that did not make much of a difference as far as the result was concerned and West Indies were blown away on the last day. So, Chris Wokes stepped in, took a 5-4. And uh, Stuart Broad continued on his merry way, took a 4-4. And, you know, uh, England won this test match really, really comfortably by 269 runs. So, this we hear is the biggest victory by innings over West Indies in by margin of runs. Right, Giri? So, what would you think would be some mm-hmm. salient points we can go through? Well, I'm going to start with, firstly, the selection, the team selection on the West Indian side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure if uh, the inclusion of... Uh, Rakim Cornwall was the best move. 
because they already had a spinner in uh, Roston Chase and he was not so bad. He was a little bit effective uh, considering the first two test matches that he played. I think he picked up a few wickets there. Uh, and I think he even got out Rory Burns a couple of times anyway in this test series, uh, right. Rustin Chase. Right. Um, so he was doing well. And they left out Alzari Joseph. I don't know if he was injured or if that was a strategic move. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a strategic move. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to start with that. So I, I know Cornwall is touted to be an all-rounder and he's supposed to bowl and bat. But it was not to be seen. I think his bowling was... It was okay um, on more than one occasion, but it was not good enough, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I, In fact, I thought Roston Chase was looking more menacing uh, than uh, Cornwall. Maybe it was also down to the confidence level that uh, Cornwall had in him. Mm. So, okay, so that's the first point. The second right. point is, I still don't understand why Jason Holder elected to field first. I know the conditions were conducive for uh, seam bowling, Mm-hmm. On the first day or the mm-hmm. first morning, first session, right? But Old Trafford, right? Old Trafford traditionally, uh, the pitch is also you know favoring the spinner, which is probably why he picked uh, Cornwall as well. But on the fourth day or the fourth innings is much harder, I would say. And they've already uh, they already had tasted this in the second test match, so right. I don't know why he tried to do that. It was a different surface, but still, it's in the same ground, so. And when you basically win the toss and uh, ask the opposition to bat, if they survive the first two sessions without too much of damage, you always mm-hmm. are chasing them. Basically, you you're you're, you're uh, you have to come from behind, mm-hmm. uh, and batting Agreed. fourth is always difficult on a, in any Test match. Forget mm-hmm. the ground anywhere in the world, right? So that's those are some points that I noted. Um, it was good to see English middle order clicking. Uh, especially Butler. I think Butler was under a huge amount of pressure uh, mm-hmm. this time. Uh, and they were even called for uh, Bairstow being uh, you know, included for the next series against Pakistan or even, who is that guy? Ben Fuchs, I think. Indeed. Uh, the guy Indeed. who did really well in Sri Lanka last year. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that uh, Butler redeemed himself and also very nice to see that the opening partnership between Rory Burns and uh, Dom Sibley is settling down quite nicely. Mm-hmm. I think Sibley had an injury last year, didn't he? Uh, when he was in South Africa. Indeed. That's why he had to return. Uh, and they had to include uh, the likes of Keaton Jennings, who continued to fail. And now I think they have a very good combination in Burns and uh, Sibley. Uh, especially Indeed. in the second innings, they showed us what they can do, what they could do. right? Uh, and I think they put on... How much was that for first wicket? I think it was even more than 100 runs in the second inning. So. Yeah, 140. Okay. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah, so that was good. And uh, spare a thought for uh, Stuart Broad. It's fantastic with the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was actually watching this innings sort of partly live uh, on television. And Nasser Hussain kept saying Stuart Broad is due a big score because he has not batted well enough since the uh, the injury he sustained way mm-hmm. back in 2014 indeed. against uh, Avarun Aaron uh, Bouncer. Yeah, right. so I think he had a bloody nose that day. In fact, I saw footage of blood, you know, really trickling down his nose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it it left a huge scar, a mental scar in him. And I think he even took uh, specialist help, therapist uh, help to uh, overcome that uh, tough period. Mm-hmm. And he was always, I think he then started to have a different stance. Like he, he exposed the stump. He always played inside the line, 
trying to be away from that uh, you know snorter of a delivery from any fast bowler so he did the same but i think by the time he came out to bat the damage had already been done by uh, uh, ollie pope and josh butler so all he had to do was swing his bat and then he connected everything that he uh, tried to hit so he even pulled a sixer i think of uh, shannon gabriel's uh, bouncer Wow. Was, all right it was he was on a roll basically mm-hmm. um and he made a very quick fire uh, 62 um coming to the bowling lineup of uh, west indies uh kima roach and shannon gabriel they were fantastic i think they bowled really well i still mm-hmm. remember when uh, west indies took the second new ball uh in the first innings in the english first innings england could have actually gone down very quickly they were bowling really well with the second new ball both uh, Roach and Gabriel. Right. Um, but England managed to survive. I think Butler and uh, Oli Pope uh, basically started counter-attacking, especially Oli Pope. He's quite an impressive young man. I think he looks like Bell. He plays like Bell. Uh, and I think he even has the timing, you know, the fantastic cover drive that uh, um, Ian Bell used to play in his Indeed. Indeed. So I think he's, he's almost a like-for-like replacement, albeit a bit late. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's good. I think they have a very good middle order now. Con- hoping that it continues like this. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. I think Kima Roach picked up his 200th test wicket. Uh, he's now 32 years old, probably at- approaching the twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. He can add a few more to his kitty. Uh, right. Maybe another f- 50 or 100 wickets. And then uh, finish ahead of Michael Holding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. That's a joke. Right, right, right. Anyway, um, it was good to see. But then... Um, the West Indian batting did not have much to talk about. I think apart from the captain and Dorich, uh, there was nothing else to talk about. That they, They've meekly surrendered in the first innings. And then English batsmen, of course, took over in the second innings. And then Joe Root played a one-day innings. right? Mm-hmm. So he played a very quick 60-odd runs. And it was unlucky for Rory Burns to miss out on 100 towards right. the end of the innings. Um, the... Yeah, okay. I'll just come back to the first innings um, of England. Uh, and I, I saw this analysis of uh, Kima Roach dismissing Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes was apparently batting much further up the pitch, away okay. from his crease, mm-hmm. um, because he wanted to negate any swing or movement off, uh, in the air or off the pitch from Kima Roach. Kima Roach, we know he doesn't have that kind of pace that he once had. He was a tearaway fastball when he came onto the scene, but now he's I think he's maybe uh, early 80s. I think he bowls like 80, 81 miles an hour max. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then what he did, he bowled a few bouncers at Kimar. He still has a very potent bouncer, uh, Kimar Roach. He followed a, he bowled a few bouncers and then pushed Ben Stokes back. Ben Stokes back. I think one of those bouncers even cost him a boundary. But that was all an investment from Kimar right. Roach. And afterwards, he... he bowled a delivery which was, I think, on a good length, maybe on a foolish side. Uh, and that went through Ben Stokes' defense, and then he was bold. And right. I think Kima Roach worked out Ben Stokes there. Ben Stokes there. I think he that go, just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to have the kind of pace that he once had. He can still work out batsmen so nicely. That was a fantastic uh, um, achievement from Kima Roach. I think Ben Stokes was Ben Stokes was flummoxed at the end. And okay. coming to the second innings uh, of West innings or the fourth innings. I saw that the English bowlers, bowlers, when they began bowling this uh, morning, mm-hmm. uh, they had a particular line and length in mind. They were bowling full and they were bowling on the stumps. So right. You will see that the dismissals, they were either LBW or bold. I think most of them were LBW, especially Chris Wokes. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think he had 
let me check one two three i think three at least three lbws indeed and broad himself had another lbw so they are trying to bowl really full and on the stumps and you know with broad either the ball comes in uh, off the pitch or it just holds his line and then you have a couple of caught behinds there like yeah. that but i think chris works he got a 5 for uh, today that's very nice and then broad of course achieved his 500 uh, test wicket wicket and broad and anderson together are now in the 500 club and they are still playing together and mm-hmm. i think that i saw an interview of uh, michael atherton or was that nasir hussain could be one of those guys um anderson is now i think 37 years old and broad mm-hmm. is probably 34 yeah he's so broad still has a couple of years left in him so he might actually touch the 600 mark indeed yeah there is still a possibility if he continues to play only test cricket because i think by playing only test cricket he's preserving his body and he's using his body to the in the best possible way so i think there's mm-hmm. a very big achievement as a fast bowler having played 140 or test matches right. and having claimed more than 500 wickets i think it's it's a fantastic achievement and he is going to be one of the greatest fast bowlers if he continues and uh, picks up more wickets but he already is a very good fast bowler anyway indeed uh, look girel address a few points that you mentioned sure. but before i go there you know there is one school of thought that says actually anderson might outlast broad really okay this guy is completely ageless apparently he's yeah. worked out the let's say the um the optimal way to maintain his body the amount of effort it takes to play a test match he's going to skip a test match here and there if, with a series you know so based on all this yeah, i'm making a joke for sure but it's also still a testament that you know uh, anderson himself is still very potent and still very effective oh, so yeah. that that you know that let's not completely you know ignore that one that's already very very good right mm-hmm. let's start there that's one thing and then you know um yeah let's first address the point of cornwall look i think because they were playing in consecutive tests at old trafford and with not much turnaround time right it made sense that they were going to invest in another spinner because this could be a pitch you know old trafford is always a very evenly bouncing pitch so uh, faster and fast bowlers and spinners both get same sort of you know investment in that or for whatever effort they are able to put in so based on that i think having a second spinner might have been worth it but the one point you have to also understand is yeah indeed he can add a bit with a bat he's a very good slip fielder right also a good good man to have in the team overall but the mm-hmm. problem is it, there is a learning curve for spinners in england r ashwin took a whole tour his first tour of england wasn't very successful if you remember mm-hmm. right and he was more classical spin bowler back then with a lot more loop and guile and a lot of drift away and so on right so when you look at these things um probably there is a bit of learning to be had and that can't be had even in tour matches i dare say sometimes only in tests so if you want to invest in a spinner to play in english conditions you have to start off with him earlier in the series right mm-hmm. and hope you know he he grows and he understands how to use the conditions to his own benefit look dombes himself right didn't have a big role in fact had no role almost this test right so that way if you look at it that's that's something to be expected in um, in a test match in england or for that matter even in new zealand so that's something something probably the management got wrong this is one of the things when it comes to the other thing the one thing i didn't really appreciate when it came to conwall was that he was not really economical you know if you are the premier spinner in the team you can't let this part timer air quotes part timer i mean yeah. chase as an eight for in a test he's not a part timer yeah. but you can't let him out bowl you 
and that's what happened in both the innings because you know chase cricket chase keeps it very very simple he keeps it straight forward and he knows what he can do and he'll stick to that and he'll bowl to a plan actually you'll always see that you know he's already thought of a field placement before he starts bowling it that's all very nice to see so that way it doesn't look good when the let's say the front line spinner is out bowled by a mid, you know an all rounder middle order batsman who can also bowl spin but that's one point the next point shannon gabriel again this is a talking point because he turned up again at, in this test match but you know it, it was not enough his contributions were clearly not enough but he did enough in the first innings one could think but you know there is a school of thought that says what if they had rested him in the middle test you know what if you had gone for either an ocean thomas or a chimar holder both of whom are terrace right and hopefully they would have gotten a chance to sort of you know cut their teeth and you could have risked a middle test so if there was any test where you had a chance you had to come back strongly in the third test so you could have rested your main weapons being you know gabriel he looked really out of sorts in the second test he didn't turn up at all there so you might have as well rested him given uh, either ocean thomas or chimar holder a debut that would have been very nice right so there was also another fast bowler called kieran harding whom we hear is much like kimo paul was very penetrative and one ball is 131 ball is 150 something like this so that was also a guy you could have played in a game so that's the, those are quite a lot of things to discuss but there i think i agree with you when you said west indies got their um, team selection slightly wrong right the next point well they have a big hole in their top order right brathwaite came good more than once in this tour i wouldn't really hold it against him what happened here in this test series right it's okay um even in the second innings he hung on he's eight about an hour's time but somehow he couldn't come good this test the other two tests he had he's done his bit but campbell was a problem and if you batted hope at three out of the top three you had two walking wickets this was a very very big problem and you could not always be 50 for three in a test match right that's what was always happening so this for me is a big problem so i think i well i dare say both of them are run out of rope here so the next series that west indies play in tests i i probably will think both of them will not be in the starting 11 this is one thing so when you have a bowler fast bowler on the other team who's really chomping at the bit and riding the you know the top of his form you have to have batsmen who are able to dig in grind him out because he'll probably eat the rest of the middle order as well in the way he's bowling the amount of fizz that brought you know brought in when he started bowling at the top of the innings was so much you could see that i mean he was looking unstoppable at times so Shamar Brooks did his bit but again he failed unfortunately this test but he's done enough i think he's done enough to show he's one for the future Roston Chase we know he's he's definitely one where you know you would invest in him he would i dare say be you know captain of the west indian test team a few years down the uh, you know down the road let's visit that when time comes Jermaine Blackwood has done enough to make sure he's you know sort of redeemed himself given the chances he's got holder yeah sort of failed with the bat so holder had promised a 5 for and 100 he failed to deliver on the latter but it's okay for me another low point in this test was shane dowrich somehow he got the yips during the england second inning somehow started dropping the balls and one of them really split his lip as well that was very unfortunate mm-hmm. and he looked really uncomfortable behind the stumps right through this test i don't know what is going on maybe something else is going on that we don't know yet something something was bothering dowrich this was not the dowrich who turned up in the first test match and literally won the game for the west indies right mm-hmm. or he was one of the let's say the side heroes there so they had a couple of people not turn up and that was not going to work against an england team really looking to you know fire on all cylinders get get the serious result and they did and i think a lot of credit also goes to joe root 
the way he batted, the way he led from front, but also more importantly, what he showed that, you know, with the field placings and he is a really galvanizing captain for this team and how much they missed him in the first test was very clear, right? So some some yeah. talking points from my side, you know, Broad finished both as the man of the series and man of the match. I would have given the man of the series to Ben Stokes. I think he did enough in the first two tests, both with the bat and ball. And um, sort of a left field choice, choice when it came to the man of the series for West Indies. And surprisingly, it's not it's not somebody that we would expect, but it's actually Rostin Chase, right? So that's also a good choice because he did enough with both the bat and the ball. Let's never forget that even in this test match, he took three wickets. So yeah, yeah all in all, I would say a very competitive series, but I think West Indians will return very, very disappointed. You know, Giri... Now the Wisden Trophy is officially retired. This was the last time England and West Indies were going to compete for it. Now, from the next uh, iteration of this uh, rivalry, what is the trophy going to be called, Giri? Isn't that Richard's Bottom Trophy? Perfect, right? That's a that's a really good homage to a friendship that began in an in English county club, but also you know the rivalry that spread across the intra- international cricket. Uh, let's say for about ten years. So that that's a very very Fitting sort of a name, I would say. I know you could have also called it a Cowdery um, Warrell Trophy or something. But this is equally good, I would say. So, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. On a very serious note, Ajit. Mm -hmm. The return of the sweatbands. Did you notice Mm -hmm. that? (laughs) I can imagine. So, we had Stuart Broad, we had Chris Wokes and we had James Anderson. I saw these three guys wearing sweatbands or... Headbands, mm. basically, mm-hmm. a la the uh, 70s and the 80s uh, fast bowlers. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. uh, the Australian fast bowlers, especially. Yeah, it was a good, good uh, thing to see. But anyway, I think it was a fantastic uh, test series, all in all. Um, yeah, we can't wait for more. I think uh, the next one is coming up very soon. When is that? Do you know? Well, we have the Pakistan England test starting on 5th August, right? So, no rest for the test match fans, apparently. You happy that uh, we have, again, one more test match to look forward to just in a week's time? Absolutely. I'm very happy. I think one one point I forgot to mention, and maybe it's also relevant for the next uh, test series, Mm. is uh, the players need to be in a bio bubble, right? So Mm -hmm. they have to... uh, I think the West Indian players, when they first arrived in England, they were two weeks in a quarantine and then the next uh, two weeks or so, they were in a bio bubble. So they couldn't leave the bubble. Until the series was over. Um, And that may have played a part. I think they they were away from their family for already a month, even when they were not playing cricket. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, they were away for one and one and a half months. So it's two, two and a half months of investment for about three test matches, which Mm -hmm. is a lot, Mm -hmm. I think, given the circumstances. It's going to be the same. I think uh, it's going to happen to all the players, uh, even from Pakistan, when when they start the next test match. Uh, It also applies to England. Right, so even English players, even though they are local uh, uh, players, they still have to stay in that bubble. They cannot leave the bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what happened to a certain uh, Joe Archer when he left the bubble? Of course. <laughs> right, from Southampton towards uh, Manchester, he took a short diversion apparently. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, so a lot of cricket to look forward to. Um, mm. Really waiting mm. with uh, bated breath. Right. Look, that that's all said and done. I mean, we have to have a small stopover. I mean, this is one of the first times in a very long time that England has actually selected two tests or two squads. You know, back in the day, I'm talking 1920s, 30s. I shouldn't say back in the day. It was not back in the day. For me. <laughs> but still, uh, there was this officially England 
sanctioned team that would play for example against one team at the same time uh, another mcc uh, team would be selected and sent to let's say west indies or south africa where the Eng- the number one english team played against australia right this was actually happening we have such a situation here where there are actually two parallel english teams that are going to compete not on the same day but very close to each other so we have a one day squad which are 25 players right like uh, that is led by oyen morgan and there you have a uh, you know sort of a different story developing you have phil salt who's you know done really well in this warm up game against mm. ireland for england lions mm-hmm. and the likes of you know alex hales who may never come back you have johnny bairstow who's trying to uh, you know sort of use his spot in the one day team to still make a case for a test match for spot and so on and so on right so you have a lot of interesting let's say sub stories right there and there is this ireland uh, tournament which you know which will also become a part of the uh, world cup super league so there is a lot more to look forward to there but i'm also curious so there'll be three quick fire one dayers all of which again means people are staying in bio bubble as you say over for a week period mm-hmm. and 15 days of quarantine and maybe more so a lot of time needs to be invested in cricket is something that's definitely clear going forward giri but you know coming Absolutely. back to what we were discussing uh, i'm really curious so now the 20 man squad for pakistan has been let's say chosen so that that has some surprising names in it so uh, giri wahab riyas and sarfraz ahmed both have made a comeback and of course okay so you have finally some someone who probably deserved to be in this team already 3 to 4 years now fawad alam so did you yeah. see this pakistani squad giri uh very briefly i think we have all the expected names there like azhar ali babar azam mm-hmm. uh asad shafiq and uh, imamul haq right indeed and then indeed. we also have like abbas the, the desert lion okay <laughs> and then uh, the faster bowlers i think nasim shah is probably in the squad right and then also the leg spinning all rounder sure sure nazim shah is there and i think you mean um, shadab khan shadab khan was the leg spinning all rounder yeah indeed and of course nazim shah is there and you have also shahin shah fridi indeed yeah indeed right and then i'm and then i also see uh, shinwari here uh, usman shinwari and uh, yes. wahab riyas mm-hmm. and also yasir shah yasir shah exactly. so so they have a lot of bowling options there uh, pure pace of wahab riyas and uh, nazim shah and uh, of course the guile of shahin afridi shahin shah afridi and then uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately no mohammad amir because he is already retired right so right. but it's good to see wahab riyas coming back though i like him i mean he's he's a tear away fast bowler and i always like fast bowlers you know that ajit so mm-hmm. it's good to see of course the bowlers coming back and i hope he gets uh, mm-hmm. a lot of reward for his uh, pace and uh, accuracy indeed no it's good to it's definitely good to see yeah um but okay so now comes the Let's say the story within the story. <laughs> so you have Sarfraz Ahmed being brought back. I mean, sort of. I always felt he was dropped very unjustly, right? He was completely done away with from the squad. That I felt was a bit harsh. Mm. So he's clearly the backup keeper here. Look, he's in the twenty. Mm. If there are a fifteen, probably he would not be in it. Mm. That's how I would like to see it, mm. right? Um, and of course, you have a lot of fast bowling options. So you covered Muhammad Abbas, but Sohel Khan has made a comeback. He's sort of, I think, thirty-five plus, but he's still in the team. You have Terawis like Usman Shinwari. and wahabriyas back in the squad both of whom are left arm options mm. let's not forget that mm. and shahin shah afridi who's a left arm option but is going to be a definite starter right yeah. so given what nasim shah did recently he took a hat trick and everything so i sort of see him starting so if you were to think of a opening 11 so look azhar ali is the captain babar azam is your middle order mainstay abid ali will open with imamul haq right then you have this is where the fun part comes for me 
there is also a spin all-rounder spin bowling all-rounder kashif patti right okay. so probably he's again included in the squad as a backup so for me your top order will be um imamul haq opening with um, abid ali you have azhar ali at 3 you have babar azam at 4 yeah. you have asad shafiq at 5 fawad alam at 6 for me and then then you have mohammad rizwan and then four bowlers this is how i would pick the squad because fawad alam can bowl a bit of spin yeah. Yeah. and then depending on the condition i would go definitely shahin shafridi is a starter for me and i dare say nasim sir is a starter starter for me okay. right so that means you have two more slots and given most conditions you would probably go for a workhorse mohammad abbas or a sohel khan and one of the left arm terrorists either usman shinwari or bahab riyas and i'm going to put my punt on bahab riyas i know what i've done i've left out yasir shah right so if the conditions are fast bowling friendly probably this will be the lineup but otherwise you would probably let go of your uh, you know the left arm fast option and then you'll include yasir shah so for me yasir shah is still the starting spinner though shadab khan offers this balance with both the bat and the ball mm-hmm. um and you have fawad alam who can bowl a bit of spin in the middle order so it, that's already good mm-hmm. but then there is one more guy shan masood he's he's had a good reputation recently but he didn't succeed last time in england so what remains to be seen is if he'll be included in place of imamul haq i think abid ali is a definite starter because he did really well in the last series so this would be my 11 um mm-hmm. do you see any other possibilities giri uh i would still include shan masood i think he's quite a good mm-hmm. bat uh at the top mm-hmm. of the order mm-hmm. whether it's an opening or uh, uh at number 3 i think he will open if he plays and i think he has also right. played a lot of domestic cricket in england so he has spent quite a bit of time in england so he is used to the conditions as well um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a very tricky situation between abid ali and uh, imamul haq one of them has to go in that case correct i would say abid ali is a starter then imamul haq will be the will be the one who will be left out if shan masood indeed plays and it's an interesting choice of bowlers that you had there uh, i would include shadab khan and three seamers because if you have four right. seamers i think it's a bit too much of uh, a predict yeah it it becomes very predictable although you said mm-hmm. fawad alam is can bowl a bit of spin but he's part time spinner right he's not a front line spinner and with definitely. shadab khan you get the benefit of also a bit of batting down the order and that definitely helps we just saw what stuart broadrid uh, did in the last match so i would play shadab khan and then three seamers shahin shah afridi mm-hmm. um and probably the desert lion uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah okay. yeah i will play those two and then one of the others will be the teraway either nasim shah or uh, wahab riyaz or usman shinwari one of those three yeah okay so in that case you left out yasir shah that was going to be one of my questions now i did leave out or leave him out on purpose mm-hmm. yeah i don't think he yeah I, he he cannot bat a lot right so no. if you need a bit of batting uh, help you will need somebody like shadab khan i know yasir shah is good he picked up a lot of wickets in uh, middle east conditions but uh, i've not seen him do well so well, uh, do so well in england uh, unless i'm mistaken you know um yeah he'll have to do something special to come back no doubt about it and i have not actually followed all their intra squad matches actually so i don't know how yasir shah did with the ball because look let's never forget that this guy was having one of the best strike rates of for any bowler who reached 200 wickets and so on so um there are lot of good things but he's really faded away in the last two series indeed this is something i cannot ignore 
So let's 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 really see. So okay, I think we have a fairly balanced uh, squad, and we have a fairly balanced eleven at least we picked. So let's see how that goes. So yeah. let's see maybe. We'll have chance to actually do a proper preview, Giri, before the test match starts. We have a week in between, so mm-hmm. let's see how that goes. I'm very happy to be talking purely about test match cricket again. Uh, right. We hadn't done this in quite a while, so I'm very happy mm-hmm. to do this. All right then. So let's move on to the trivia section of the episode. So the trivia question from the previous episode was: Who was the first ever umpire whose decision had been overturned on review using the DRS? Right. The answer to this question is Mark Benson in a test match, India versus Sri Lanka in 2008, right? So this was a match that was actually a trial for uh, DRS, and interestingly, India was involved in that match. So there are some interesting records. The first ever player to be dismissed from a you know reversal of a decision was Virendra Sehwag, and it was Mark Benson's decision that had been reversed. And the first ever captain to call for a DRS review was Anil Kumble, you know. when you when you look back at this 50 years down the line some statistician or some cricket fanatic from the subcontinent may actually use this for uh, indian uh, you know side he may say look look at these numbers this might clearly mean india were one of the early backers of the uh, drs system hmm. right the first ever decision and the first ever invoking is done by an indian captain right <laughs> i mean 10 years down the line they are using it more but look they are the early adapters no it was not the case it was just a trial game so just one of those uh, you know one of those uh, facts that prove uh, to be quite quirky so coming to the trivia question from this episode it's a very special one and it's very closely linked to the test match we so you know detailed uh, discussions we had on it so in this case which batsman has the honor if that's what it can be called of being the 500th test wicket for two different bowlers right so if you've been following this test match you know the answer already but if you want to get in touch with us to let us know the answer yeah if you want to show off a little bit please do get in touch so you can get in touch uh, with us using our twitter handle which is at armchair cricket pod we'll be online during international games so with the upcoming ireland uh, england odi is coming up we'll be online and you can get in touch with us there you can also write in to us using you know mail so it's armchair.cricket@gmail.com you could also leave us you know a comment in any of the podcasting apps you use and if one of you have left a comment and it's not come to our notice please let us know there is a chance we may have missed one of these our apologies but please do let us know about it right and if you are actually listening please do give us a nice rating on whichever app you use like probably apple podcast this also gives us a nice fillip right so plenty of cricket to look forward to we've already discussed this and even test matches like we have a new test match series literally starting in one week's time now so it's very good for us so let's really hope there is uh, even less rain intervention if possible in that series and even that series throws up some fantastic games and all all the all of those have results right having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast